Hello and welcome to Epicenter. My name is Camilla Foy and today I have a very exciting and special episode. Today I got to interview Miles Levine, the director of Under the Lights. I was very excited and honored to be able to talk to Miles because, as I will explain in more detail later in the episode, I would not have this podcast without Under the Lights. Before you continue listening, if you haven't done so already, I advise you watch Under the Lights so that you can better understand what we talk about throughout the episode. I will include the link to it in the description of this episode on both my YouTube and RSS feed. Now, let's get into the episode. So I, I'm Miles. I probably started having seizures around the age of five and um, I, they were absent seizures, uh, you know, some people call them petite mal seizures. So I was spacing out, missing time and had this really awful, awful experience that most people go through, which is they just see the wrong doctor and the wrong kind of doctor forever. So, you know, you start with your general practitioner that, you know, their job is to know a little bit about everything. And so they aren't quite sure where to start. And then I see a neurologist. The neurologist tells my parents a motorcycle. The neurologist tells my parents that I'm faking it. Um, and yet I've had EEG studies done showing it's happening in my sleep, just a tremendous amount of ego, a tremendous amount of, um, of, uh, frankly, just, uh, incompetence. And I, I just saw, I saw I, I, an innumerable amount of doctors who felt that, well, if, if they couldn't fix me, then this must be just it for me. This is just, this is how it is. Nobody wanted to pass me on to someone who might have more information or be more capable because it was just, I don't know, like it, is, it hurt their feelings or something. It's awful. So I, I made it into my teen, my late teenage years uh, without anybody even bothering to mention that specialists exist, epileptologists. And that's where I should have been since I was five, right? Some kind of pediatric epileptologist. So I'm in my teenage years. I start having grand mal seizures at 15, tonic-clonic. And uh, it's a really, really terrifying time. This whole time, medicines are not working for me. I'm one of the one-third of people that does not respond well to medications. I'm like allergic to everything. Um, the doctors will not believe how sensitive I am. They're telling me it's, it, I can't possibly, it can't possibly be true what I'm reporting that I'm taking almost nothing. And I start having reactions and it's just how my body works. So, um, and to this day, nobody knows why I have seizures. There's no you know, uh, one part of my brain that is coming out of, there's no rhyme or reason. I'm just one of these like medical mystery cases. And I take whatever medications help. Um, nasal rescue medication has changed my life in so many ways. Um, and you know, I'm out here living my best life. I'm a filmmaker first and foremost, um, through all this, I become a public speaker um, which has been a cool, a cool job. Um, and uh, the the last thing I'll say about my journey, because it's important. I 
start going to epilepsy camp around the age of 15, 16. And it changes my life. And I'm there working as a counselor and I didn't want to go in the first place. And I get there and I start meeting kids who are like pretty much my age. And they're saying they've never made a friend before. Or they see a video, someone posts of them having a seizure in, 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 in their classroom. Or uh, the parents don't know what to do. So they just throw their hands up. And the the, uh, the the schools don't want them to go to school anymore because they they don't they don't want to deal with it. People don't believe them. They don't want to hire them. It's it's awful. And something that I just focus on is like I I don't have the ability to to make better meds or to search for that cure, but I sure as hell can work on stigma. And so that's where under the lights came about. Was I feel like I have a a tool to to do something about it and we can make a difference so that's my long-winded explanation of what i'm doing here and you mentioned epilepsy camp could you explain that a little more because i've never heard of that before yeah so a lot of foundations will have some version of this um if you like look through whatever epilepsy organization handles your area it might be like an epilepsy alliance or an epilepsy foundation of blah, 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 blah. a lot of them have a camp and it's this transcendent experience where you have is people with epilepsy you know like you a lot of times your childhood is stolen from you like you don't you don't get to just be a kid you don't get to go out and do activities and um amongst people who understand exactly what's going on with you and it's a place where it's just like a regular ass camp where kids do regular kid things and for one week in their whole life they get to be regular kids because there's nurses that specialize in epilepsy that are hanging out there you know there's there's a doctor there who knows what to do and kids have seizures you know like as they would at home but they go to camp and they go to the campfire and they, you know, maybe they do archery or get in a canoe or something. And it's the first time in these parents' whole lives that they've gotten to have a week where they're off and they're still freaking out in their heads, but they got to have a glass of wine, you know, and it's, it's, um, then that kid goes back to school going, Oh, I'm likable. I, people want to be friends with me. I'm worthy. Like I, I, I know what it's like to be a kid too. And it changes their entire life. So parents figure out if there's a camp in your area. Um, it's, it, it'll change their world. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like that's just a great experience to have as well, just to make friends, build new bonds. And I've never heard of that before. So I will actually look into that too. Cause that seems like, it would be something great to share with others who have not heard about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. And then for like teens and adults and stuff, a way to go back is just to like work there, you know, and that's, that was my, that was my way of getting to be a part of it. So, yeah. So have you experienced any lifestyle restrictions because of your epilepsy? Oh yeah. I spent more time in a doctor's office than I did on the playground. You know, I, I, getting tested for this or that or in the hospital or, you know, um, you know, I, I, I didn't go to sleepovers. I didn't, 
I, I didn't go off to college after after high school. It was debilitating and heartbreaking to, to feel a sense of it didn't matter how hard I tried. It didn't matter how many clubs I was a part of. It didn't matter that I had straight A's. It didn't matter. It didn't matter that I pushed myself to be the very best I could be. It, it wasn't going to take me anywhere. It wasn't going to put me in a university. It wasn't going to make me safe enough to to go live on my own just because of like, oh, well, you're 18 now. Um, it was heartbreaking. I felt like, like my, my young adulthood was just taken from me. It's just, I wasn't allowed to have it and everybody else it, you know, of course the grass is never truly greener, but you, you look across the aisle and you look at, at what feels like everybody else just gets to have things. They get to turn 16 and get a permit, you know, and, and, um, you know, drive their parents' car or whatever. And, you know, I started like watching people pump their own gas and being like, they're just, they just don't know. I would, I would probably weep pumping my own gas, you know? So absolutely the lifestyle restrictions. I having to have the awkward talk of like, I can't, I know you guys want to go to that restaurant. I can't go. Like, can you, can you all please change your plans and go eat at this other place where I'm going to get like the nutrition I need? Cause I can't eat bread, you know, uh, or whatever. So when I was a little guy, I didn't feel those differences that much because kids are wacky anyway, <laughs> you know, like, so, so, um, you know, I made friends and I was the, the saving grace was I was never encouraged to hide it. I was never, it was never suggested to me that this was something to be ashamed of, which so many people grow up with. It's awful. It's horrible. Um, I, you know, I can respect why people would choose not to talk about it, but, but to suggest that it's something you should be ashamed of is, is awful. So I was lucky I didn't have that, but the difference is when you get older you're a teenager, especially after people have gone to college and suddenly your life is visibly different and it's harder to hide in conversation. You know, you go on a first date and someone says, do you want to get drinks? Actually, I'd like to do this other thing instead. All right, I can't drink. Well, why? Uh, they're going to want to know that. Why don't you drink? Where'd you park? I, I, I don't drive. Well, why not? <laughs> I, I kind of want to know why you don't drive, you know? So suddenly you can't hide it anymore and you got to talk about it. You have a job, you know, or you're taking classes or something. You got to tell people and it's, it starts to become a bigger and a bigger part of who you are. And, um, it's a struggle, you know, it's a struggle. How do people generally react when you tell them, oh, I have epilepsy and therefore I can't do certain things? Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's a bit of frustration because other people want to do stuff and, you know, they invited you along and now they can't do that thing. Um, you know, like, for example, from all the seizures I've had, my shoulders don't work anymore. They've been dislocated so many times that I will reach for something and have to go to the hospital, like put my bone back in my skeleton, you know, because um, the ligaments don't hold on anymore. 
Um, luckily, I recently figured out how to do it myself, but it's incredibly painful. My friends just got into rock climbing. I would love to go do that. I can't do that. I had a friend who was super into frisbee golf. That looks like fun. I want to go do that. I can't, I can't do that. I want to play soccer, but if I fall, you know, like it's just suddenly there's just stuff. You, it, it doesn't really matter what kind of epilepsy you have or your experience. Like there's something that you just can't do anymore. Um, and it's awful when those things are the things that make you, you, and you have to like redefine everything about yourself. Heartbreaking. So I was lucky that I kind of came to the playground in first grade with a sense of confidence. I didn't, it would never have occurred to me that people would treat me differently. So I was just telling people, oh, you know, um, I miss a couple seconds sometimes. And I remember like once overhearing a kid saying like we're playing tag and he's like he's having a seizure like we can run run and then feeling like i could address that you know that that really hurt my feelings but and then as you get older and you know like puberty's awkward and stuff like that like it's it's hard to be a kid anyway but then to have to wear that stuff on your sleeve of but yeah, this is other thing that you can't change about yourself. It's really tough. It's really tough. Um, but I was lucky to have a group of friends that really didn't care. But it's also worth saying, like, I was blessed that I never just like fell over in math class. And I I can appreciate how difficult that would be for so many people, especially in the age of Instagram, where kids record and everything. How do you recover from something like that? How do you recover from something like that? And that's where I really feel that stigma affects us more than, than seizures do. Because the only time you're not worried about having a seizure or feeling the impact of being someone who might have a seizure is when you're actually having one. And that's something we don't really address as a community is uh, they're what people don't understand is so much more than, than seizures. And I, I can't really, I don't have small response to things. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. I absolutely agree with you. Something that I'm very involved in is advocating for mental health and people with epilepsy as well, because that is a big area to focus on, especially in children as well. Like what you were saying about how kids in the playground can be mean sometimes or how do you react to that? How can you recover from hearing certain things? It's just, it's something that affects so many children as well. I try to stress that as much as I can tell people to, you know, as when you realize these things are happening, tell someone so that it doesn't grow into something worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and learning to say it confidently because People, when they don't know what to think, they look to you and the expression on your face to see if they should, how they should feel. And so if you say like, hey, I got this thing, this happens sometimes. So this is sort of what you do about it. If it should happen, you know, um, it's going to, you know, it looks really scary, but just understand like, you know, nine times out of 10, it's, it's really not a problem. You know, most of us don't need an ambulance ride. You know, I, I hate to put this on you, but it's it's going to be OK. Like it's I turn out OK. People 
people want to believe the best case scenario, you know, and as long as you're not hiding important information, you stand a better chance of being treated the way you want to be treated. So, you know, the way I describe it is I say like, this is, this is just how it is and it's hard, but what I need from you mostly is just for you to understand, you know, it's, it's tough, but, um, but like, I'm, I'm gonna be okay. And I'm, I, I, I am other things, you know, this isn't, this isn't like my whole personality. Um, so thanks for giving a damn, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like you, it really, it really all starts with you and there are going to be people who just suck. They just suck. But most people identify as a good person. They want to believe they're a good person. And if you can give them an opportunity to feel that way about themselves, then they're going to be a good person, you know? So um but 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 as people with epilepsy we're often really afraid of ourselves can you blame us and then you know it's easy to pass that on now i want to talk about under the lights as well because i feel like it had such a big impact on me um i would really not be here today without it i was about a year ago now i watched under the lights i was scrolling through instagram and i found the profile so i clicked the link and I watched it and it just completely opened my eyes to a world I was unaware of. So I started researching more about epilepsy and I've always been interested in the brain. I always knew it was be something I want to do is research it, a career path. Then when I found out about epilepsy, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to help people as much as I can. So being 16 years old, I can't go to medical school quite yet. So I wanted to Not start yet. this podcast and try to raise awareness. So Under the Lights has had such a big impact on me, and I'm sure it has had an impact on so many other people. <laughs> so what I wanted to hear is, how did the idea of Under the Lights come to be? Yeah, so it started it at Humble Beginnings, which was that I, I would make the video for camp. And because it was one thing to get up and like tell people it matters, but when you see a kid having fun and the parents watch that and they go, Oh, those kids are all like my kid They're My kid could do that. And that would be amazing. You know, um, suddenly people give money to camp. So I, I would make the camp video. And then at the fundraising gala, I'd get up and I'd show it. And I'd tell people, you know, these kids are saying they've never made a friend before. These kids are saying that they've never been understood until this week. Like it, it's important. I want to show it to you suddenly something would happen people people show up to a fundraising event they're eating they're talking you got some like olympic athlete with epilepsy standing up talking about their life like nobody's listening nobody like they care kind of but it's cool but nobody nobody's listening you show a video the forks drop people watch they cry and then they donate so i realized I I was a filmmaker. I I made all kinds of like comedy type stuff, and I really had no interest in telling an epilepsy story. But I realized that I could talk about it, so I must. And I had never seen a movie about someone with epilepsy that I felt was a fair representation. The only time we see characters who have seizures are in hospital shows and horror movies. So of course, people are afraid of us. They've been trained since turning on the TV to feel this way, like, can you really blame them? 
they're just doing what like it's it's it looks scary and there's scary music playing and the person's being possessed like of course they think awful things about us but what if i didn't have to talk about this anymore in front of a, a room full of people who showed up because they already know they already care about epilepsy i'm not convincing them of anything about stigma these people are not the problem the problem is the people who will never show up to this gala to hear about epilepsy what if there was a movie and people just watched it because they wanted to they've never met me maybe they don't know anyone with epilepsy but they watch it suddenly when they hear seizure when they hear epilepsy their point of reference is going to be the time where they really connected with that person they they felt those feelings they lived that life for a moment probably not going to be as cruel right and just like you were saying, like, if anything, people suddenly want to be a part of it. And that's the nut we just can't crack as the epilepsy community. We can't get people to show up on our behalf. But with a movie, you can. Movie also lives forever, whereas an awareness event lasts for a day. So I made this thing. It was 10 minutes long. It had these incredible stars in it. Uh, Pierce Joza. Alyssa Jarrell's had these illustrious acting careers and um, we built a set in, in a garage uh, and we made this 10 minute short and we put it out in the world. And suddenly people like you are responding like, Oh, I want to be a part of this. There, there was a fan who got a tattoo. <laughs> We've had people make fan art. Like every week I get fan art from around the world. And a lot of these kids never heard of epilepsy, but now they give a shit about it. And it's amazing. And it's like, wow, we're really onto something. So now I'm doing the feature film. I'm trying to raise money to, to make the full length film. We've attached incredible actors to this thing. We have, we have a star studded cast for the under the lights feature. Um, we got to find the money, but then we're going to make this and it's going to go to streaming and we're going to put epilepsy in front of tens of millions of eyes. You know, it'll be the biggest epilepsy awareness campaign of all time ever, ever. And um, it's like the most important thing I can do is make my experience and everything I've lost before something, you know, be something to gain. So I'm really proud of it. And what you were saying before about how people could connect movie. I kind of resonate with something much more it's like exactly what you said was exactly how I was feeling when I watched under the lights. I was sobbing for a little bit afterwards. And then I started feeling so connected to the characters, especially since it's kind of in my age range too. I can yeah. see it's like they're in prom proms happening right now for me. It's because still doing high school things and proms. Good. And I, and I'm seeing all this and I'm thinking, you know, they're kids in my age range who can't do the things that I'm doing right now. And it really connected to me on a deeper level. So under the lights, really just, it changed my perspective on so many different things. So when you're saying that, just that's the exact same thought process I just had in my mind right now. That's awesome. That makes me feel so good. I never could have anticipated how much of an effect it would have on people. I wanted lots of people to see it. I wanted lots of people to listen but I never knew how many people would act on it. And that's, that's, that's been a real, a real treasure uh, for me.
Um, it's so much bigger than, you know, forget, forget about miles. Like I, I'm, I'm not part of the equation. The movie is so much bigger. It's, it's, it's for other people to make use of it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's wild. I never, I never saw it coming. Yeah, I really would not be with this podcast if I had not seen Under the Lights. Record that clip and send that back to me <laughs> so I can use that. I definitely will. Thank and you. So do you know the statistically the effectiveness of movies in raising awareness and educating people? Oh, man. OK, well, a fun one. Um, there's a doctor who uh, studied this, um, Dr. Ian Bone um, out of the U.K., if, if anyone's curious about like the study of epilepsy representation in cinema, he, he did a thorough job. Uh, go look that up. Dr. Ian bone. Um, forget stats, raise your hand. If you've ever watched a movie about something you've never heard of and resonated with a character, you know, like everyone, <laughs> if you don't in, and if, if you live in a cave, and you've heard a campfire story about someone that you have never met. There's a there's a really wonderful um, uh, uh, study that was done uh, that looked back through history and it looked through um, declines in violence throughout history. This is really interesting stuff. You ready for this? Definitely. Technically, even though it doesn't feel like it because of, of, of widespread information and news, we live in the most peaceful time in human history. Things have been very bloody for a very, very long time. And two things happened that led uh, to a major decline in violence, interpersonal violence. The first one was the idea of manners of like, you know, maybe we're going to stop peeing in the in the street. You know, like maybe we're going to stop eating uh, uh, food off the ground, like just kind of like basic ideas that benefit, you know, the cult, you know, like the civilization. But the next thing that happened was the advent of fiction, written fiction. So there's always been fiction, but written fiction, because most people didn't leave their tribe um, or their like village their entire life. Like you grew up in the same village your great-great-grandfather did and you died there just like he did. So what was happening one village over was really of no concern to you, right? But all of a sudden, when you can read something about someone that you are not, say, a man reading a story about what it feels like to be a woman, right? All of a sudden, you have a point of reference and you care about something that's bigger than your immediate community. Reading the news, understanding in a written form what's happening one village over and whether or not you should be a part of it, what it means to you. All of a sudden, violence throughout the world drops. And so we're using that exact same principle which is that in the epilepsy community, we're in a silo where we're pounding and chanting and, and screaming for help and, and to be understood, to be listened to, to be cared about. And no one's listening because just outside of the silo, no one can hear. But if you can put that in a story form, all of a sudden, it's something that I don't have to ask 
please watch this. Please understand me. They want to. They want to sit down and they want to they want to see something they haven't seen before. There's such a glut of content. It's the exact same story you saw in the movie theater last night, right? People want to see it and hear from people they've never heard. And it's the only place in culture where that's the case. So we have to use that. And, and the exciting thing is it's not a science experiment. Other communities have proven that this is the way to eliminate stigma forever. Take the LGBT community. LGBT stories in movies at first, very underground, right? It's a couple... You know, a, a, a couple little theaters under a bar somewhere <laughs> they're 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 sharing this stuff. You know, the, the 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 French are always ahead of everything. You know, they're showing LGBT stories and it starts to trickle in. And eventually you get to a place where it cannot be ignored. You can't even do business anymore without showing that you're a part of the diversity conversation, too. We just have to do what other people have done. And just follow in their footsteps and we will have the same results. Autism, they're killing it right now. They've done such a good job of taking this thing that people fear and don't understand and saying there's a person underneath all of that. You know, so we'll just do that and we'll be fine. And I really believe we are five mainstream movies away from an entirely different conversation on stigma. Um, and because right now we're in the same place. We were 20 years ago, and I can tell you that because I was there, you know. So Under the Lights is a contribution towards those five. And I really believe that, um, you know, well within my lifetime, you and I are not going to be having this conversation. Definitely. Like when you go and you see movies and films based off of characters, they don't completely understand. You can't start connecting with them on a different level. And I know like there were movies like Wonder, um, just different movies that share stories that you're not familiar with. And I know within the epilepsy community, there's stories that are all unique. Nobody is the exact same. And seeing things like under lights, being able to talk to people with epilepsy really helps broaden your understanding. That's right. That's right. And and I, I have this this conviction that you... You don't have to live in my shoes to understand me and what I've been through because the feelings that I've felt are human. You have felt, I'm not saying you, right? You, but like the, the universal you, you have felt these feelings through something else that you've gone through at some point. And that's all you need. I don't know what it's like to go through a difficult divorce. I don't know what it's like to lose a parent. Thank goodness. But at some point, maybe it was brief. I felt that feeling and that's enough. And, uh, you know, I think the key to a really good movie as a writer is to you, you, you write the journal entry that you would never want anyone to see. Because if you are that vulnerable, if you tell a story that you would never want anyone to see automatically, it's original and it it um it appeals to that universal humanity. People can feel that vulnerability and connect with something like epilepsy, even if they've never had a seizure. And that's kind of why I chose the setting of like prom, because there's kind of a universal nature to that. Everybody looks forward to that. Everybody, you know, with some exceptions, wanted to go. Um, and it's a difficult moment, you know, unless you're prom king. So. And following along that, 
line. Uh, so what was your main goal in filming under the lights? Yeah, so I I wanted to take an experience that I felt like hopefully most people with epilepsy could agree with and put it before the general public through a lens that they would understand. So <clears throat> I can't make there there are over 40 kinds of epilepsy, you know, of seizures. So you can't possibly hope to represent every person who has ever had a seizure. But what you can do is you can you can say, well, as people with epilepsy, we've all felt that what it's like to feel left behind, to feel left out, to feel misunderstood, to not feel listened to, to feel like maybe you're kind of scary to other people and what that feels like. And then to put that through a lens that people who don't have seizures can go, oh, that looks really hard. I've wanted to feel normal too. Maybe that means something different to me, but I know what that feels like to feel like, wow, I'm, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not popular. I'm not, I'm not quote unquote, nobody's normal. Well, what is normal? Right. But, um, and then, and then to get them to, to, to be on the same page. Um, and, and like I said, I want, I want someone to watch a seizure go down and to go to see the person behind it as it's happening and to appeal to the universal good of people. And, 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 and they don't have to act on their fear anymore because they've, they've been there. They've seen that person before. What I found was pretty interesting is that as you're watching under the lights, the scenes kind of cut out as Sam is having his seizures and it really helps. Like you're not in the shoes of watching it like you're experiencing it as you're watching yeah it's so important to me not to show a grand mall seat or 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 even like <clears throat> i want to be very careful about that because traditionally seizures are a device it's like it's it's a scary thing to watch so let's put that in the script and let, let's film that so that the audience is scared so if you're going to make a film about person who's going to be having seizures you have to figure out a perspective so that you're not you're focused again like on the human and not on the event you're not making a spectacle out of it um so a way to do that is to try and make it first person or you're just watching the reactions um or you just find a creative way to sort of be in it and it doesn't have to be a person you know writhing on the floor um you know the other thing that was important to me was there's no in in the short and the feature there's no school bully i think it's a really weak narrative device to have someone who's just a jerk they're just like that's their character you know is like they're just mean they have no redeemable qualities because people are more complicated than that and a lot of times the person who says something awful to us or who misrepresents us or who, you know, is being a jerk, they're probably not an, a, a terrible person deep down, but they're acting on their lizard brain, their flight or flight, because they don't they don't know what to do. They don't know what this is, and it's freaking them out, and they're going to respond poorly. They're not using their humanity. They don't understand 
and um you know that so 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 like molly the the female character in the short she's not an awful person she's just not getting it she's just not getting it and furthermore he's not understanding her position either right so that's that's how the the feature unfolds it's just a series of people who just they don't they don't know what to do with this information and so they're gonna they're gonna behave poorly um and frankly just because we have epilepsy doesn't mean we're immune to that either you know we constantly just as people are are saying stuff we probably shouldn't say you know and that's 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 part of the experience so it's saying this is an even playing field everybody somewhere in their life has to do better you know and it just takes a little listening that is a very unique perspective so when you look at movies focusing on these things they always have the bully or somebody that's just a mean character to show the struggles but you never show that it's just everyone has to understand something about each other and I think that is a very unique perspective that Under the Lights has that other movies may not represent yeah like when you watch a school bully your your response is like I would never do that so you're just gonna walk away going from the movie going like yeah that looks hard um I'm I'm better than that but I'm trying to appeal to this idea of like well maybe you're not and maybe maybe I'm not you know maybe maybe we falter and maybe we don't have to you know like look what look what happens when you just listen to somebody and you understand their their situation as best as you can it goes a long way it goes a long way people mean well they just fail and uh, I was just curious about this as I was watching under the lights uh, after doing more research about epilepsy. Did you intend for Sam to have any specific type of epilepsy? Yeah. So, you know, um, I obviously had, I have to draw from things that are similar to my life just because you, you take what you know uh, to do your, your best job, but um, there are differences Sam is photosensitive. Um, you know, he's, he's the lights cause him issues. That's not something I face. But um, and an interesting thing about that uh, a misconception is that people with seizures, you know, it's caused by flashing lights. And that's not necessarily true. They say that 3% of people who have seizures are affected by like they, they're photosensitive, that that's a trigger for them. Um, so almost no one is affected by lights, but some people are, so it's not an inauthentic portrayal. He's just part of that group. And also I felt it was necessary when I'm presenting so much new information to the audience to give them credit for something they already know. Um, I don't want the message to be like, you don't know anything. You know, the fact is most people are familiar with that. And so I'm giving that to them. And also prom, I said prom was such a good like middle ground, like a meeting, a, a little town hall for people with and, with and without epilepsy to come to a common understanding. And so it was right for the narrative without telling a mistruth. Um, there's a conversation sometimes I, I really just disagree with in the epilepsy community. People get really frustrated when when you ask them like, Oh, should I like turn the lights off for you? And people go like, I'm not photosensitive. You know, they're trying to like, I want to feel normal. Like, please don't, 
minimalize me. But the fact is, is for some people, that's really dangerous. And so I would rather we keep talking about it, you know, so that those people are safe, like people like Sam, um, the shoulder dislocation thing is real um, for me and, and for friends of mine of just like we've fallen so many times that the force just has wrecked our shoulders. Um, Sam has absence seizures, the like little missed moments. And when that gets really bad, he's on track for a, a grand mal seizure, a tonic clonic seizure, which is like that classic seizure that we're used to when we think about seizures. So he has a really similar diagnosis to me. Um, but I did go to prom. When you were filming under the lights, did you have any um, any challenges during filming? Yeah, I mean, so the traditional path for a person who wants to direct is like, well, get on set, get on set and work as an assistant, uh, you know, production assistant. And then some some at some point, someone doesn't show up and you get a little bit of, of a better position and someone wants to someone takes an interest in you and you you rise up and that doesn't work for me. Like I, the, the film industry is, is a terrible choice for a person with epilepsy. Like it's, you know, uh, you can be on a unionized set and be a member of a union and still work just these insane hours day after day after day and be served pizza, you know, at three o'clock, you know, lunch could be at three o'clock. And, and as a person with epilepsy, whose body is sensitive to all of these things, sleep, food, stress, um, there are so many like game changing opportunities I had to say no to. Um, and the only path forward was for me to make my own work where I would have control of the schedule and build my skills to a point where if I was going to be a part of other people's schedules, they wanted me enough that it was okay. And so like on the first day of shooting under the lights, like I showed up or I, I sent an email before the first day to the whole team saying, and luckily, most of them knew me and stuff. But so there were some new faces. Hey, everybody. This is Miles. I'm the director. And you're going to see some things that are a little different about this set. Um, I'm not going to be the first person on set. Um, I'm going to show up a little later. I'm going to show up when hair and makeup's finishing, making the actors look great. And when we're ready to rehearse. And I know that's not conventional. And it's not out of disrespect to you. But it's so that I have what I need to do my best work. Right? I'm also going to have snacks on me, you know, eating throughout the day, even though it's not lunchtime and, you know, that there's not food for everyone at every second of the day. That's not out of disrespect. It's just my personal nutritional needs that I need so that I can do my best work and I can be a best collaborator that I can be, you know, just things like that where then nobody has a problem with it. And it's just about keeping everybody in the loop so that we're all a team and on the feature there's going to be stuff like that too. Like there's, there's things in place, but if there's a problem, I don't foresee there being one, but if there is the ship, the house of cards doesn't collapse. We've got a plan, you know, we shoot things in a certain order. Um, you know, sometimes you fake nighttime for daytime, uh, or daytime for nighttime and, and, and make it, you know, you black out the windows and shoot a night scene at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, you have to do those things. Um, and when, when it's an accommodating set, it should be a healthier place for everybody, you know? So I hope that people watch the feature 
and hopefully like a making of, and they go like, wow, this guy has a disability and he was fine. He found a way he's successful. Um, I can too, or yeah, I could, I could hire this other person with, with a disability. Like it, it's not as scary as it sounds like you have to make accommodation. Actors are accommodated all the time, right? You get, you get people who show up and they're like, I only want green M&Ms and, and you got to do it, you know? So it's not, it's not that crazy, you know? And most, most accommodations do not break the bank. They're just kindnesses, you know? I think that's a very interesting perspective to see because I'm not very well versed in them in the movie industry so I'm not sure how things are conventionally done but it's it's just kind of like a different perspective to see from what little knowledge I have if you really want something you you find a way and, and the thing the thing is like ultimately if I call myself a creative I have to you know I have to call myself out on my bs of like well then there's probably a way and maybe nobody's done it before but I got to I, I gotta I gotta get creative if this is what I want and there are so many times where I have had to ask to be treated differently at the inconvenience of someone else so that I can have an opportunity and that's a life skill being able to say no being able to stand up for yourself advocate for yourself that's not unique to disability that's that's about growing up that's a that's a maturity thing right like you want to raise you want to get paid more you you have to march into that office and say i'm worth it you know it's like it's all the same kind of thing and it's just you you it's it's more in your face when you have a disability i have one more question for you in yeah. the closing of this interview so as a person who has been successful in raising awareness to epilepsy do you have any words of wisdom for the listeners yeah. If you can talk about it, talk about it. Doesn't matter if you have epilepsy or you don't. If you can talk about it, talk about it. Maybe you don't have seizures anymore and you you had the good fortune to have the privilege of not having to talk about it. Maybe it's not a visible thing on you and it's not something you have to talk about. But because you talk about it, someone else is going to be ready to talk about it. And we can't, as a community get to a better quality of life as a whole if 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 the people who are able choose not to and for a long time I chose not to like I live with epilepsy every day like why would I also want to make a movie about it like really like do I have to does every part of me have to be this thing that that I that that drags me down that's awful I don't want to do that but I had no idea how many people would choose to or feel safe to because I did. And, um, you know, there's, there's two things like you make it okay for someone who's not ready to wait. If you are out there advocating on behalf of them, if you advocate also, someone else will choose to, and it creates a ripple effect. There are people who are seizure-free because of this movie, because they spoke up and they eventually got what they needed. You will never know what lives are changed forever because you showed that it's okay. So whether you have epilepsy or, or, or not, you, you will make lives, a lot of lives better if you choose to say something.
I feel that every day, especially having this podcast now, very important to talk about things. Just make sure everyone hears about it. Get as many people to understand as possible. I'm so thankful for what you're doing. And um, and I, I'm, I feel count myself fortunate to be involved. So thank you. No, thank you very much. I cannot wait to see full feature of Other the Lights. Uh, that will be very exciting when it comes out to be able to watch it and be able to share with friends as well. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give out a plea. I'll give out a plea. You know, everybody's passionate about this. I think I'm fortunate everybody agrees that it's going to make a huge difference. But it does. It's what I just said. It doesn't happen. There is a world in which this doesn't happen. The biggest epilepsy awareness campaign of all time It doesn't happen because no one chose to stand up and say, I can help. So if you can help in any means, and again, Camilla, I'm not saying specifically you, but I'm talking to your audience. If you can help in any means, if you know anyone who is in a position to make a difference, we have a donation link at underthelightsfilm.com where you can make tax-deductible contributions that allow us to move forward, to cast, to do our pre-production and our production. And furthermore, regardless, if you can make a contribution, you can put your email in at underthelightsfilm.com and you'll get updates about the film, which is fun for everybody. And of course, free. And I don't spam anyone. So I, I try to <laughs> try to try to treat people well that way. Yes. Well, thank you very much for coming on today, Miles. It has been an absolute honor to be able to talk to you today. Thanks, Camilla. You rock. Thank you. So I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for coming on.